Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Nate, what what is today? Um, tired day. You know, you've got to get it to, you got to get your together man i'm working on it man but honestly i'm gonna have to take a nap first i i was telling everyone in the pre-show all is the this, people uh, who are members is this the what the what not to do podcast this is the what not to do now <laughs> listen this was unavoidable there was no way i could get around it I, I got in the car to go to the er this morning for you know life circumstances mm-hmm. back at the homestead and uh just didn't get any sleep so i i mean i'm I got about, you know, two hours and then I was up for a few hours and I got another hour and a half and then I just started working on Liberty after that. Well, we all feel bad for you. I'm sure you do. The world cares about your problems. Honestly, I think the world should stop right now and and just take a pause (laughs) and we should have a a moment of silence for my tiredness. On a serious note, it's not a horrible thing to take a little bit of a break every now and then because you can't, you know, run yourself rampant forever. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the burnout theory. You oh, know? really? I don't. What, what's no. happening then? I'm not, tired. I'm not burned out on what I'm doing. Oh, I know I'm that. Tired. But you, if you weren't burnt out a little bit on what you were doing, wouldn't the tired not even be in your mind? It's a mental condition, Charlie. I was listening to the Rogan right? podcast. There was this one of his friends. This guy runs like 16 to 24 miles every single day. Like he never takes a break. 16 to 24 miles a day. It's too many miles. Yeah. And then he he uh, works for eight hours. And then after that, he lifts weights. And I'm like, Mm-mm. what the hell? No. What a, I'm doing something wrong in my life I, if I can't do that. If that's wrong, then I want to be wrong. <laughs> okay. A, I, I'm not honestly, interested. That running is just sounds terrible. It's, I, it's awful. It's one of my least favorite things to do. I anytime, can't even watch Forrest Gump run. I hate it so much. people post their map on social media and stuff, I'm always like, yeah, good for you. That's something I... I have I don't have a desire to drive 24 miles Mm-mm. like most of the time <laughs> <It's> <laughs> too far like by that time I'm looking at helicopters like okay can, <laughs> can I can I get a lift <laughs> over there do we have the uber helicopter here in Nashville yet <laughs> I don't know but all right that's too bad anyway as we said this is the good morning Liberty podcast the place for life Liberty in the pursuit of meaning we talk about economics because that is honestly the basis for <laughs> Everything in life, even if you're talking about the health pandemic or you're talking about how people are free and what liberty's about and how to live the best life possible, it all boils down to economics. It does. It sounds too simple, but how it's not. How you structure a society and people being freely to trade with one another determines how well they're able to live their life with the scarce resources that are available. So we have to figure out a way. We have to figure out a way to allocate all these scarce resources. Because they're scarce, and not everybody can have the same thing. Brad said if you were supposed to run, baby Jesus wouldn't have invented cars. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, guys, running was invented by Nike to sell shoes. All right? <laughs> I don't want to do it. Okay, sorry for cutting in. Anyway, yeah, Liberty. The only time I want to run if there's like a bear or something. Then you need to know how to run. Yeah. Or running from a bear, the police, anything like that no, that you need to do that's not a suggestion by the way no no i'm yeah. just i'm saying it's a good uh, 
and all skills in life are important to perfect. Now the good news don't is run from the cops. You don't have to be the fastest person running from a bear. No, you don't. You just have to be faster than the than the slowest. Yeah. Or you need to be good at like punching your friend in the kneecaps. Right. That's really all you got to do. Knock them down and so that they'll fight the bear for you. You just have to be so, faster than the slowest person. That's all you got to so do. So if you want to learn about life, liberty, pursuit of meaning, and bear fighting, this is the place to be. So better hit that subscribe button. Don't be part of the four whore percent that don't subscribe to this podcast because we are running a 96% subscription rate on this podcast, which is just absolutely phenomenal. It's I don't know other podcasts because they're not as good as ours, but I can tell you that other podcasts don't run that rate. You, you, they don't run the 96% You check their numbers yeah. for them and, and they're not doing it. I'm saying most other podcasts. I have another podcast that doesn't have 96%. So Because it doesn't have me in it. Well, it's just it's common not, denominator. It's not uh, it's not about life, liberty and the pursuit of meaning. That's probably why it's just a boring old uh, Nashville Predators podcast. If you guys are into the NHL, by the way, I've got a podcast called Talking Preds. There's free advertisement for my other podcast. If you guys want to go check out some hockey. NHL is just a place where white supremacists go to watch sports. That's that's really all it is. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> They're they are. um one of the most progressive leagues, I think, out there. Did you hear Aunt Jemima is changing their name and their and their brand their brand name, their photo, everything? No. It's all all been scrapped. But we have lots of good news to get to. I think just today. crazy. This wasn't one of the news pieces that's on there. I just saw. Well, everyone's it. getting canceled everywhere. I know. Every, Aunt, all I kinds mean, of things are. are Aunt happening. Jemima got canceled. Yeah. This doesn't seem right. I, I we should find a list of what's been canceled. Somebody in the live group do that. <laughs> find a list of what's been canceled. Like Mark Wahlberg was canceled. Uh, Aunt Jemima has now been canceled. People are trying to cancel Tucker Carlson right yeah, now. Right. I mean, think about like Jimmy Fallon did blackface. So that the governor yeah. of Virginia, Joe Biden has said all kinds of racist things and he's never been called out. When are we going to cancel that guy? Hopefully I believe soon. I saw a video clip of him in 1977 that said he didn't want his kids going to a, a jungle for school, a racial jungle. <laughs> Who said that? Joe Biden. I saw a clip of it the other day. Good Lord. Like in 1977. So I, how in the world has he not been canceled yet? Because, you know, if you don't vote for him, then well, you're not black. Or, And he said, poor kids are just as smart and just as talented as white kids. <laughs> like, how has that guy not been canceled? Which, gonna button, cancer. Is, which button is that? Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Like, how do you not get you canceled right there, after folks. saying something like that? You know, they canceled Mike Wahlberg, who's got smart pack. <laughs> he wasn't in that commercial no but okay. they, they canceled him and jemima there's jimmy fallon i think it was jimmy fallon did blackface uh wasn't it the governor of virginia did blackface as well yeah so i said oh yeah that's right the, All the kinds canadian of prime minister did blackface really yeah <laughs> What's his it, name? was it trudeau trudeau yeah is that what they have yeah. a prime minister i'm pretty sure uh yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean Justin it's crazy trudeau. it's the the hypocrisy is insane like you can do whatever you want when it comes to people like jimmy fallon or or jimmy kimmel or the governor of virginia or the or the canadian prime minister or joe biden you can do whatever you want say whatever crazy thing you want as long it as you're matter. on the right side of pushing the agenda it just matters if you put if you put hashtag blm sometime on your timeline or you put a black square or something like that then you can do whatever you want if you're someone who's pushing the correct narrative then those things that you do are not racist. It's it's a complete, like I was saying the other day, it's not even a double standard anymore. It's a triple, quadruple 
quintuplet standard that we're going through right now that it's a mental gymnastics that honestly could be in the Olympics that's going on right now. Paula Dean was another one that got canceled like 10 years ago. She got canceled. Say Iron Man got canceled. What? Iron Man. I had heard that they were, they were transitioning Iron Man um, to not a uh, rich white guy anymore, which doesn't make any sense because it takes a lot of money to make all of that stuff. You know, I mean, you're just going to have to have a lot of money and the same goes with Batman and all that. I mean, I, cause what I saw was it was going to be like a, like a college student or something, uh, <clears throat> that was going to be Iron Man. I mean, you would have to be inheriting all of that stuff because I mean, Tony Stark got that? a lot of money. What was that one movie where, um, who's the guy that played Tony Stark? Um, what's his name? The guy who played Tony Stark? Oh, he's saying that uh, he was saying that um, Robert Downey Thunder. Jr. did. That's what he's that's saying. That's what I was gonna say. Yes, we all agree that that was funny, though. I mean, I don't really think. And all the jokes were like black jokes. Was, the whole movie was pred- like I know the, the whole, whole movie. Yeah, the whole entire movie was surrounding his character, pretty much. It's so good, and it's a hilarious movie. <laughs> and you know, I like comedians like um, uh, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You know, Dave Chappelle, who like takes these jokes and he's like, it's comedy. Like, shut the F up. It's comedy. And so anyway, you know, canceling all these people, who cares? But anyway, it's time to get to the news. I'm going to cut Nate off this time. He's not going to introduce it. And I don't care if he's got anything to say, because I got to dive into uh, real socialism here. So I wouldn't say it's real socialism. This is Venezuela we're talking about. This is apparently the dictatorship that has been that took over the beautiful socialism that they had. So you can't blame it on socialism itself. You have to blame it on the tyrant. It's the person Mm -hmm. that is bad, not the, not the idea. Yeah. So here you go out of ABC, Venezuela court orders takeover. Oh, sorry. Venezuela court orders takeover of two major political parties. So out of Caracas, Venezuela, Venezuela Supreme court loyal to president Nicolas Maduro. I'm sure they just, (laughs) They're just there interpreting the the Venezuelan constitution. I'm sure that's what they do. On Tuesday, they ordered the takeover of two influential political parties opposed to the socialist government ahead of uh, uh, parliamentary elections expected this year. The court suspended and replaced the board of directors for the Justice First Party a day after the same move against the Democratic Action, one of the nation's oldest and largest parties. (laughs) It was part of a necessary restructuring process, the court said in rulings posted on Facebook. (laughs) Posted on Facebook. (laughs) No legal action was taken, however, against popular will. The party of opposition leader Juan, uh, how do you say his name? Guido, who seeks to oust Maduro with backing from the U.S. and nearly 60 other nations. The political, he's not going to win, by the way. No. Uh, Just, I'm calling that now. He's, he's, he's more likely to show up in a tragic car accident yes. than he is to actually win this election. Exactly. Uh, the political coalition opposed to the Maduro's ruling United Socialist Party of Venezuela. They just have such great names always. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, how could I? There's no way I could be bad because I'm leading the United Socialist Party of Venezuela. It's united. It's united. There's no way anything bad could happen. Uh, it's made up of more than a dozen parties. This attempt to divide them won't succeed. Uh, Guido said. Guido, I think. Guido. On the contrary, these actions strengthen us. He said, the dictatorship is going to fall and the republic is going to be reborn. 
A once wealthy oil nation, Venezuela is in a deepening political and economic crisis after two decades of socialist rule that has driven mass migration and scarcity of basic goods. I'm surprised ABC is saying it like yeah, this. That's why I was I was saying I was surprised to see this from ABC News. This is and this is by the way, this is real socialism, but this is what happens. Yeah. So, the, you know, all the praise that they got from the progressive in the 90s and early 2000s. This is the result. <coughs> so. Uh, after two decades of socialist rule that has driven mass migration and scarcities of basic goods, the U.S. and scores of other nations consider Maduro's government illegitimate and recognize uh, Guaido's Guaido as Guaido. In, Guaido as interim president, a position he claims as head of the National Assembly. Maduro on state TV. I just love state TV. It's my favorite that, thing to watch. CNN. Yeah. Accused opposition parties, which have controlled the National Assembly for the last five years, of robbing Venezuela of its wealth and plotting a foreign invasion aimed at ending his socialist government. How is it his? I don't know. I, it's it, this is so crazy. And who's actually robbing Venezuela of its wealth? Do you think Maduro's not eating lobsters? Oh, he's think, definitely having some lobsters. You think Chavez's daughter isn't worth two billion dollars? Because she is. Go check it out. The National Assembly is the only branch of government Maduro doesn't control. That will change with the next election, he said. Oh, oh, finally. Now we're getting to the real socialism here. That's why he hasn't been able to institute the proper policies. Probably. Right. Because of this opposition. He, there's an opposition group. This <laughs> it's called the National Assembly and the CIA. The the uh, the elected National Assembly. Yeah. The, the elected by the people. There's much, much to be a bad, a bunch of bad people who oppose the socialist utopia. So uh, Maduro says here, quote, people of Venezuela, the hour is drawing near. He said this in Spanish, but they translated it for me. <laughs> he said, people of Venezuela, the hour is drawing near. The day is drawing near. The moment is drawing near. Everything's drawing near to Maduro. With, with the popular vote, we are going to remove them from the National Assembly. We are going to take them out. They're there from the popular vote. How are you going to replace them? I mean, Unless maybe you, it's just the same as saying that you're going to stop the Republicans from controlling the Senate or something like that. You know, yeah, well, that's the yeah, <clears throat> of course it is. It, same thing. Only, yeah. you know, we're not going to line up all the Republicans and put them in jail or anything like that. We're not just, yet. We're just going to forget to count a few votes, yeah. probably. Um, among justice, he'll be pushing for mail-in voting here soon. Yes. <laughs> among justice first, most notable members is Enrique Caprilius. <laughs> Who lost good the job? That's pretty good. <clears throat> who lost the presidency race to Hugo Chavez in 2012, and again the next year after Chavez's death in a contest against Maduro. Officials then banned Caprilius from politics for 15 years. <laughs> Although he remains an important player behind the scenes, he lost. Yes. He lost two elections, so they banned him from politics <laughs> for 15 years. You, Caprilius, are a loser. This just in, the NFL's banned the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> they're not allowed to play anymore. <laughs> but they're going to be important players behind the scenes. The court day, uh, the court day says early uh, days earlier, seated a new elections council. Well, imagine. Well, look, these votes are going to be obviously counted correctly because mm -hmm. the court they seated a new elections council ahead of the vote expected this year in a battle for control of the National Assembly. That's how they're going to win it by popular vote, by the way. This, if this doesn't paint a perfect freaking picture, I don't know what does. It's, it's like I shouldn't have to read anything else. 
it this is, is this it, is it it's so obvious like yes. and you can make you know you you can say all kinds of things about well this is maduro's fault and that's the problem or this is some of the evil corrupt government's fault or you know i mean there's definitely argument to be made that the that the u.s definitely interfered in in venezuela a lot for sure through the cia and everything and uh sure the uh the sanctions and things like that did did not help whatsoever but this is what you get out of socialism and people need to realize this this is literally the controlling party taking over and replacing the people in other political parties that uh -huh. are in opposition to their government and this is what happens it doesn't matter if you like chavez my leftist communist uncle it doesn't matter if chavez was amazing he's dead all right, but guess what remains? His power. His power still remains mm -hmm. afterwards. That's always the question I have for any type of Bernie Sanders and, supporter that and, I run into. And yes, they may not have wanted a, a tyrant and a dictator, but the power structure <clears throat> of socialism, the way that it has to be instituted, sets up the perfect scenario for a tyrant to come in and do all these things like uh, uh, reseat an election committee and you know appoint judges that are behind him and all this all the crazy power structures that exist it just sets it up for a perfect tyrant to come in i like what josh said here he said um about caprilius he said it'll be announced that he has information leading to the arrest of hillary clinton <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, just one other thing on this this isn't just socialism you know what we're making the argument <clears throat> against really is the government power the the u.s has been going through this as well where everyone is okay with their guy having power yes and then the next person has the same power plus they add on more power and then all those people are okay with their person having that power you know people who supported george bush were totally fine with bush having that power and then guess what obama inherited that power and then obama grew his powers and people who liked obama were okay with obama having that power and people who didn't like obama were hated it and then guess what trump took over and all of those never powers seen, you've never seen more conservative people love big government and yeah and all of a sudden trump comes in he inherits the powers that obama had that no one liked obama having the powers that bush had that no one liked bush having and now trump has those powers and then if you're a trump supporter you also got to remember even if trump does win the election who's after trump if you're a joe biden person then you want the government to control all kinds of stuff in fact everything if you want the all those things to be controlled or you're a bernie sanders supporter whatever who's after him who comes after that that person's going to inherit the power the people in venezuela are seeing that right now maybe maybe chavez was a great guy i don't know i'm sure his daughter sure appreciates it for sure but that doesn't matter anymore he's dead but his power is still there and now it's being taken over listen i'm not I'm, I'm no chavez fan that's not what i'm saying but now even if you were a chavez fan all of his powers being taken over by this evil brutal dictator that we have to get rid of and it's too late that's the problem and not only it's that too late. not only that but all the money's gone yeah because because i don't know if you guys saw what happened to oil but yeah not but that, good but that thing went uh, i'm pretty sure oil went negative for a little bit it went negative again last week or the beginning of the week i'm pretty sure yeah at the end so, of last week so um it, when you rely heavily when the when the state takes control of private corporations this is what this is the definition of socialism by the way and they decide to redistribute that money 
What happens when that well dries up? You like that dad pun right there? Um, what happens when that well dries up, man? I don't know, man. It's all dusty and stuff. Eventually, you run out of other people's money. Eventually, you run out. of, And this has been happening over and over. I don't care what the people of Republic of Chaz or what are they calling it now? <laughs> Chop say. Chop. It Like you, you can't. Uh, somebody made a good comment here. It's like vote your way into socialism. Fight your way out. That's good. Like you can't. This economic system, which is why we talk about economics a lot, is the by far probably one of the most deadly economic systems humanity's ever seen. It's it's the leading cause of death. It is still it, yes. it, it is other than other than people's hearts. It's one of the leading leading causes of deaths. Uh, literally, you're talking hundreds of millions of people. And it, it it's and if not, you don't die, it's a miserable existence. It is. It, it completely it be, ruins it, your life. It actually could be worse than death. <laughs> you can't even. And those are just people that died. You can't even measure the people that might have been alive, or the better lives that those people would have had, or the better lives that the extensions of those people would have had kids, afterwards. Yeah, the kids that would have been born. The generations or, afterwards. You're you're talking hundreds of millions of people. The businesses that they that didn't get started, that couldn't get started. Yeah, and the jobs that people don't have, and all the all the unseens that make it infinitely worse. It's and we're oh, we are dealing with the same thing. You know, we th- this is not just a condemnation of socialism in Venezuela and America's got it figured out. Like that's not what we're saying because we've been going down the ro- the wrong path for a long time. Our economic system most closely resembles fascism. Because the economic definition of fascism is uh, the allowance of private ownership, but the control by the government over those privately owned businesses. We most closely resemble that, and neither one of them are good. And we've been going down this road for a long time, teetering back and forth between socialism and fascism. And it all stems, none none of those are good. It all stems from deciding that you have control over other people's lives, that people don't own themselves, that you can control, that the collective can control what other people are going to do, that the, somehow people in the government who have, have no economic experience whatsoever can control the entire economy in some kind of way, that, that AOC needs to be making decisions that are completely going to affect businesses that serve millions of people, and that it's all going to be okay somehow. You, you can't do it that way. And we keep going down the wrong path. And this is a good example of what starts to happen when it gets too late. You know, we've got a, a two-party system here, basically. The Libertarian Party has a hard time coming in. Now, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are not just coming in and removing the people who chair the, the, the Libertarian Party or anything, although sometimes I wish they would. But they're not coming in and doing that, but they are blocking other parties from being relevant by not letting them debate, by not giving them ballot access, all kinds of things. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going down the same path following the same ideology. We're just not on the same timeline as they are. They just do it more behind the scenes. And they they don't make a post on Facebook. <laughs> they're still very political about it. And by well, like in politicians speak, like this is for you and your freedoms. And, and it's not quite as upfront and terrible as, as you see in yep. other countries. But on the back end, it is still just as terrible. In Tennessee... I think it, you need uh, what is a thousand five hundred or a thousand signatures to run as a Democratic Democratic candidate or a Republican candidate to run as a Libertarian to be listed as a Libertarian on a ballot in Tennessee. You have to have upwards of fifty thousand signatures. Now, in what realm 
or is a two party system not holding another? Like, how is that freedom? How is that freedom? That's why I really liked when we had the last election, the Libertarian Party basically staged the protest and we had, what, 20 independent candidates on the ballot? Yeah. You had to scroll through three pages of of gubernatorial candidates before you could actually get to the person who ended up getting elected. And it was just out of principle. They put tons of people on the ballot just to make just to try and make a point. Right. I don't know if people picked up on the point where like, hey, why are there 20 candidates on here right now? They were just trying to make a point that they could put all these people on the ballot as independents, but they couldn't get one person on the ballot as a libertarian because the state has made it impossible to get on the ballot as a libertarian. So it, it's crazy. We, we do really see the same thing here. So th- we, if this is not a great example and a great talking point for people who are in support of socialism, if it's not a great talking point against that, then I don't know what else really is going to be. If, you, if an well, economic collapse, if, the, if a total economic collapse and the things you've seen out of Venezuela and now coming up on an election, them seizing control over opposition political parties are not little writings on the wall that you're going to pay attention to and think, well, maybe this system is not so great because bad people can get in power. Then I don't, I don't know if there's any hope for people figuring it out. And so you guys know, this is the moral argument. It's the moral argument because we actually care about poor people. It's a lot of people will push back and be like, Oh, well you just hate poor people. You don't want poor people to have healthcare. You don't want poor people to have socialized medicine or blah whatever all that garbage that they talk about all the time this is actually the moral argument because we care about making the economy uh, (laughs) such a free place that anyone can get ahead any poor person can be as rich as the next person and the these types of policies that you know sound good that allow you to you know virtually pat yourself on the back to signal your virtue all over the place be like well i'm for poor people that's why i advocate for the garbage that I advocate for. We're the ones that actually are arguing the moral high ground. I made a comment to a guy the other day who was saying, well, you know, I understand that, you know, technically taxation is theft, but mm-hmm. this is on our Instagram. He we, was got like, the, we got the maroads. He's like, what about, what about roads and education? Like, what do you do about that? And it's like, look, I can give you so many examples of how to pay for things privately or, uh, even before 1913, when we didn't have an income tax and there were still roads and bridges and schools well, we're and all still, kinds of stuff. I can give you all those examples. For everything. That's the thing that people don't like. There's a fallacy going around that we aren't already paying for everything. Right. Look, oh, how would you pay for things without taxes? Uh, my man, how are you paying for things with taxes? Right. Like, yeah. come on. You're already paying people's for people's money. That's how yeah. you're paying for it. If it's important, people will pay for it. If it's not, then if, if it's not well, important, they, they you won't. Know, poor people can <clears throat> drive over bridges then. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what would definitely happen. But, but what I've, what I was saying <clears throat> was, is that even though I can give you all those examples, it actually doesn't matter because you can't get past the moral argument. It, 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 it regardless of the examples that I give you, you first have to prove to me how your position that we need taxes is not immoral. Your position that you get to take from me without my consent. That is your argument to make. I don't have to make an argument that I should be able to keep my own stuff. Right. That, that is not, you know, it's like we're in a court of law right here and you're innocent until proven guilty. Like you're free until proven slave. 
in this in in this court right here. You're free. And everyone else who wants to enslave you is going to have to make that freaking point. And they're not doing it very well because they've been screwing it up your entire life. Well, we've now got to make the point. We've now had the the federal income tax for over 100 years. It's been it's 107 years now that we've had the federal income tax. And so it's it's very difficult to get people to it's very difficult to get people to understand what a world would look like without taxes because they've they've got you they've been they've been getting you suckling on the you're government con- teeth you're conditioned and you're conditioned to be like oh well you know what is, what is <laughs> people say there's two things guaranteed in life death and taxes <laughs> yeah that's like the part of the saying and it's like well there there is a way where taxes don't have to have to be there Oh, when I hear that death and taxes are the only for sure things, what I hear are death and human beings enslaving other human beings are the only things guaranteed in life. Death and slavery, the only the only two things guaranteed. Death and death, those are the only things that are guaranteed. Yeah. So anyway, it's about you guys. We have the moral argument. We have the moral idea uh, ideology on our side. You have to, you have to shift the argument to asking them questions and making them prove how their you know terrible economic system would somehow bring about a better life for other people and the answer is it doesn't now look capitalism isn't perfect the free market isn't perfect there are going to be people that struggle however what other system there, do we it's the best one there's people struggling right now right we we spent 27 trillion dollars on the war on poverty and the poverty rates the same it's probably higher now. The struggle like, still exists. The, the argument's not on on their side whatsoever. Like, oh, there would be poor people. Really? Why do we have poor people right now? We've had the income tax already for 107 Seven. years so far. Like, there's poor people. So, the, uh, when, what? T- the next year, you're going to fix the problem? Next year. You're telling me it took 107 years for this to be a failure, but when you get in office, this is the year where it all turns around and taxation finally stops people from being in poverty. It's the same thing with the racial injustice and all that. It's like, but Joe Biden, you've been in office for 36 years. Because you become president, now it's going to be fixed? Like, this, we keep, well, it's the definition of insanity, right? We keep trying the same things over and over and over again, and we get the same result. And, but we're expecting something different. That's what it is. You do the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And the truth of the matter is, is that number one, you have to start with the presupposition that inequality will always exist. There will always be, there will always be a bottom 10% because it's the bottom 10%. And, but the goal is to bring those, the bottom 10% up to a level standard of living that, that, isn't a miserable existence. And you know what? In large part on the, the optimistic side of me is like, we've done that. Like poor people today have it way better than the richest people ever did a hundred years ago. Like the system works. It's not the best. It's not perfect because it'll never be perfect. So you have to start there. You have to start with the understanding that no system will ever be perfect. Human beings are not perfect. They lie, they steal, they cheat, they do all kinds of messed up things because we're just a bunch of dumb chimpanzees running around, <laughs> you know, not not understanding what we're doing. Hey, we you're still getting the live stream, by the way. Yeah, I'm still getting it. Okay. We don't understand ourselves, let alone hardly anyone else. So, 
anyway, that's really all I've got to say about that. And, and I think it's probably time to move on, but really we could do the entire podcast there. And, and it's very frustrating sometimes getting on the microphone and essentially repeating ourselves. And it's, it's the message that why do we have to scream it from the rooftops? A lot of times I get so frustrated of why, how is this hard to understand? You know, how is this hard to understand at all? Like you don't have a right to take things from people. You don't have a right to kill people. Like it's the very basic things. Like who was that guy? Was it Matt Kibbe that wrote the book? Don't hurt people. Don't take their Mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so simple. It's so simple that a third grader can do it. In fact, (laughs) we teach our kids, Hey, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and you should share. That's, that's, that's what charity is, by the way, you share. We talked about it on the episode yesterday. It was, you know, the, uh, the UK relies on uh, 60% of their income for cancer research as charity. The United States doles out like $400 billion a year in charity, more than the next 20 nations combined. I think if we operated, we could operate the government as a charity. And if they want money for their special programs, they have to solicit people for donations, just like they, just like any other charity does. You don't think people would donate for, for poor people's health care? They already do anyway. It would done other things. It would be done more efficiently anyway. I yeah, mean, be, it's it be, because people would only donate if people were doing a good job at distributing the resources. And if you did a bad job, then people would stop donating towards it. And they would donate to a competing charity that's exactly. doing a better job. And then you would start a charity that was doing a better job. And then you would be able to run that charity and distribute the money really efficiently. And the money would naturally flow towards things that were actually distributing the money efficiently. Now, I don't know if it's just going to fix all of our all of our problems in life or anything like that. It's not. Actually, I do know whether or not it's going to do that. It's not going to fix everything. No. But holding people accountable for where the money is actually going would do a heck of a lot for actually fixing this problem. Sorry, I was trying to go through some of this live thing. I lost the live the live group where it's my my ability to control the uh, stream, and um, you know, I don't I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to lose the ability to be in control is really what's going on. Well, that's fine. Um, Cause I went on a tear and good, good. And it was quality. It was a quality tear for Qu- sure. Yeah. Quality um, tear. All right. So this far, I'm going to jump down to the, because we're already into this and, and you know, my brain is shut down for the day. So I'm sorry, get it together. Nate. I'm trying. There are people I'm counting trying, on us. I'm out trying there. to get it together right now. Okay. So, This is crazy. From money.com, some Americans are getting bonuses to give up their unemployment benefits and return to work. (laughs) So this is a thing. This is fantastic. This is a thing, by the way. And uh, it's already in place in Idaho because they were like, screw it. There's no one here anyway. But they are talking (laughs) about expanding that over the country. In fact, the National Economic Council Director, Larry Kudlow, is talking about how this is a great policy for the federal government to go ahead and institute will be a bonus for you to return to work. So it says, as states across the country reopen, more workers are able to ease off unemployment and return to work, but they might not want to. Now, who was talking about this? No one. No one ever mentioned that no this might be a problem. No one ever mentioned that this no. would ever be a problem. No. In fact, the problem was that, is that we didn't give the American people enough money. Well, that's the... That, that was the issue, even among libertarians. The problem is we didn't shut down the economy hard enough, and we didn't distribute enough 
un- non-existent money into people's hands. What's the national debt clock at now? 26 trillion? 26.3 trillion, something like that. Christ. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Let's see. The government has been providing extra unemployment benefits to help people cope with the coronavirus pandemic, and unemployed workers in some states have been getting paid more than what their wages would be. Many workers, in fact, I saw from fee.org, they posted 68% of the workers are getting paid more money on unemployment than they were making when they were working at their jobs. Are you telling me that this does not create a reverse incentive that would stop you from going back to work? It naturally would. Hell, how would it not? Yeah. I'm not even faulting the people. Good. I mean, really? How do you even fault anyone who's going with this? If you're getting more money right now, why would you want to go back to work? Really? That's not a good libertarian or moral thing to do but i'm just saying why yeah there's no reason why many workers are also uneasy about going back to work due to health concerns especially because coronavirus rates are increasing again in some parts of the country back to work bonuses doled out by the government could be a possible motivator to entice people off of unemployment rolls (laughs) oh my god at least one state so far, Idaho, announced it will be giving one-time payments to people who leave unemployment and get back to work this summer. And the concept could spread nationally. This, this is a disease that is going to be widespread and rampant across the country. Let me tell you what. The Trump administration is considering a measure that would pay a bonus for returning to work. National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow said on CNN Sunday, It will create an incentive to work, Kudlow said. It will create an incentive to work. Do you know what else would create an incentive to work? Uh, maybe needing money. Yeah. And only being able to get money if you were providing value to other like people. Like your back's up against the wall and you've got some bills to pay. You got some mouths to feed. Yeah. That That's a pretty good incentive. That's an incentive to yeah. go to work where you're like, hey, I'm going to, uh, I need a lot of value for my life, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to produce value for other people for their lives. And then, then I can receive a representation of that value back from those people. And, and then we'll all be in a nice moral standing with each other in, in free trade. No, what we need to do is pay you an extra bonus to stop taking unemployment. That's what you should do. How about you end the unemployment checks maybe maybe that could i don't know possibly help employment subsidies like this are not unusual in other countries when unemployment rises richard burkhauser professor emeritus of policy analysis at cornell university tells money the german government for example is offering companies funds to pay workers who get back to their jobs but the move would largely be unprecedented in the u.s now we've talked about this before but realize what they just said and how different that is and how that would be portrayed here in the U.S. The German government is offering companies funds to pay workers who get back to their jobs. Corporate bailouts is also what that would be portrayed as mm-hmm. in the U.S. That's a, that is a corporate bailout. That is what I believe Sweden did. That's what, that's what a lot of the Nordic countries did was... This the money, the reason they've been able to maintain a 4% unemployment rate is because the government gave a bunch of money to the companies so they would keep people on their payrolls. 
And that that would be just portrayed like crazy as a corporate bailout because the money goes to the companies and then the com- the, the companies have to use the money to pay their workers. Even libertarians across the world will be upset about that. I know. And, and listen, I don't. They'd be madder than the Asian hornets trying to murder people. Th- those are some pretty golden mad Asian what hornets. What happened to those murder hornets? Uh, I think the uh, I, was it Eno B came up with a vaccine for the murder hornets. I think is what Maybe. happened. Or Everyone got vaccinated from it. I think. Orkin, and they died out. Orkin was out spraying around Terminix. This was all a plan by Orkin, the, the whole murder hornet thing. That's mm-hmm. what it was. So anyway, Idaho's governor, Brad Little, recently announced a plan to offer one-time bonuses. And his plan, Idahoans returning to full-time work would get a 15, would get $1,500, while those returning to part-time work would get 750 They would receive the money after returning to the workplace. Senator Rob Portman, Republican, Ohio, proposed that the federal government offer 450 a week in addition to their wages for those who return to work and stop collecting unemployment benefits. Separately, Kevin Brown... I mean, we're already talking about you lost your employment and you're getting 600 a week plus, your, plus normal unemployment. But what they're talking about is people going back to work and getting 450 extra a week. Is what is is what that is. I mean, what this, if you just stayed at work? That th- that is an insane idea. I, <laughs> what? what you, how racist are you? I mean, <laughs> so, good, stay at work. Yeah, come on, that's what you, ridiculous. What if you just kept working? Like you let businesses stay open? Yeah. Like what if that? Do you get any bonuses for that? I'm not even going to tell my grandma you said that, man, because you don't care about her life <laughs> whatsoever, and that is just clearly honest by those falsehoods that you're spewing here on the gmail podcast yeah fake (laughs) fake news chuck separately kevin brady republican texas proposed a 1200 dollars bump once they find a job (laughs) both measures are only proposals at this time and they would just last only until july 31st kudlow said on cnn that extra 600 is in in effect a disincentive for people who to get back to work and that while it might have worked for the first couple months it'll end in late july uh, we're paying people not to work, Kudlow said. It's better than their salaries would get. Now, that's true. It came in with something that's that's actually true there at the end. This is a disincentive to work. It's an obvious disincentive to we work. We talked about this. But, like, what are the other things you could call this? Because what you're essentially saying, I don't know what an hourly employee is going to be making, but you're going to be subsidizing the hourly employees that go back to work. Like, this is a minimum wage increase. <laughs> Is what it is. Right. Like that, you know, it's the same. People don't really have any principles or logic or ability to really work this all the way down. But if you were to say guarantee that people made 20 bucks an hour when they went back to work, people would be all up in arms about how crazy that is. And that's a minimum wage increase. And and this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And no one has the money to do this. But if you're like, oh, well, go back to work at your normal rate and we'll pay you $450 extra on top of that. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. No, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. The money doesn't exist. It it does not exist. You want an incentive to go to work? Go to work or you don't get to pay for any of your stuff and you don't get to keep any of your stuff because it's not yours because you didn't pay for it. Right. There's your incentive to go to work. All right. You don't need to add in any more money. If people want to make more money, then they need to go out and get better jobs. They need to go out and find a better way to make money. I realize not everyone's going to get a nice cush job, you know, uh, breaking down podcasts and stocks every day like I've got over here, but there's really no reason that you couldn't, uh, you know, that that's really on you. 
but this whole idea is just, it, it's completely insane to me that can anyone talk about the fact that we don't have any money for two seconds? Can you talk about the fact that we don't have any money? Well, I was just looking at the national debt clock. And so we're upwards of $26 trillion now uh, of debt, $26.1 trillion. The debt per citizen is up to $79,000. It's 80 mm. grand per citizen now, $210,000 per taxpayer. Good Lord. Yeah. Do you want to know what the federal debt to GDP ratio is right now? No, I don't. 131%. It's pretty bad. The, that's the worst it's now ever been. Now, that's no China bad or anything like that, but it's pretty bad. 131% the mm. debt to GDP mm. ratio. Mm. I don't that's, know about looks that. looks like an over an overborrow. Yeah. Just <laughs> compared. Just a little bit. Now, listen, uh, after careful thought on this, I've actually decided that I was wrong on my position. Uh, I think this is a good idea, to tell you the truth. Um, as Jeff said, if this goes through, then we should lay me off and then hire me back. <laughs> that way I can get that $1,200 bonus for yeah. going back to work. <laughs> a little extra trading money. You know, guys, I think I was wrong about my position on this. Yeah. Just so everyone knows. Are you going to apologize? Uh, no, I never apologize. I want you to issue an apology on I specifically Twitter. will not apologize if someone's asking me to apologize. You want me to fire you on the podcast? Due to a binding stipulation in my brain that says I don't apologize when someone asks me to, I cannot say sorry. I'm sorry. Do you want to be fired? Wait, you didn't ask me to say sorry, so that's why it was okay for me to say that. Do you want to be fired on the podcast? Um, and then I, if, you, if you come back to work, ultimately, if you end up... I can't be fired because this uh, the union just won't have it. <laughs> So there's there's no way that that could actually happen. The union of one. Yeah, Did you talk? this is a union. Like, look, I talked to myself and yeah. uh, as union president and employee. Listen, I've decided I've organized. <laughs> OK, and I'm in high demand. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I've organized all versions of Nate that are that are that Listen, are available. All of us are going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Actually, there's going to be some type of a discrimination lawsuit, more than likely, because of my, uh, you don't like Asians. Are you going to protest outside the, outside my house? You think I was doing this morning when I didn't show up until 720? <laughs> holding a sign. You're holding a sign. I just didn't look out my front door. There's, I still got someone out there spinning a sign right now. <laughs> and a whole bunch of people backing him up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Tell me about Google banning Zero you, Hedge. Uh, you want your job back? Um, I, ne I never lost it because I had a right to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. You can't lose it if you have a right to it. And what are we going right on to, to Google? It. Yeah. Tell me about Google banning zero hedge. This is frustrating. Hey, listen, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. But, uh, th this was totally frustrating. So this coming out of NBC news, uh, it's not a zero hedge article, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> Google bans website zero hedge from its ad platform over comments on protest articles. So Google has banned zero hedge and ABC classifies it or sorry, NBC classifies it as a far right website that often traffics in conspiracy theories from its advertising platform over policy violations found in the comment section of stories about recent black Lives matter. Sorry, black lives matter protests. Google also issued a warning on Tuesday to the federalist over comments on articles related to recent posts. A Google spokesperson said in an email on Monday that it um, demonetized the websites after determining they violated its policies on content related to race. Jesus, are we going to get banned? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, 
you know, we do have Google ads running on the website and everything, but you know, it's it's pretty crazy because they were they were banned based on comments that other people were making. That's what we're going to get to here it's in a crazy. second. So, quote, we have a strict pub, uh, publisher policies that govern the content ads can run on and explicitly prohibit derogatory content that promotes hatred, intolerance, violence, or discrimination based on race from monetizing. The spokesperson wrote, when a page or site violates our policies, we take action. In this case, we removed both sites' ability to monetize with Google. After publication of this story, Google backtracked Tuesday, clarifying that the Federalist had been warned about policy violations, but still had time to address them. It now has three days to remove the violations before a ban goes into effect. On Wednesday morning, Google said the Federalist had removed the comments that violated its policies and that it would take no further action. Google notified Zero Hedge of the policy violations last week and banned the website from its ad platform. Google's ban comes after the company was notified of research from the Center for, Count for Countering Digital Hate. Jesus. There's a center for everything. The Center for Countering Digital Hate, CCDH, a British nonprofit that combats online hate and misinformation. They found that 10 U.S.-based websites have published what they say are racist articles about the protest and projected that the websites would make millions of dollars through Google ads. Um, Imran, is that how you pronounce his name? Ahmad? Sure. Sounds good. The CEO of Center for Countering Digital Hate said it found advertisements for many companies that had otherwise made public statements supporting Black Lives Matter and the recent protests running on the websites. So this is like you are now liable for random people reading your article and make, making their own comments. Yeah. Somehow. Now, on one standpoint, what I do, what I would understand is if individual businesses decided that they were not going to run ads on those websites because uh, they didn't want to be associated with the comments from people on the website. Right. And so they don't want to have their ad next to a comment that's saying whatever kinds of, I mean, listen, people online are, are disgusting. We've had some crazy, disgusting, racist stuff on our page before. We've it, had, we have exists. removed people. We have removed people. We have blocked people from our, from our Facebook page because I'm, I wasn't going to have it associated with with our Facebook page. So this exists, but what I don't understand is, listen, you can go on the Google ad platform. I could do it right now. And you can choose what businesses you want to have represented in your ads. As a business, you can choose where you are or are not going to have your ads placed. Like all, the businesses could make this decision. The website can make this decision. This is why this really comes down to more of a, you know, partisan, hypocritical standpoint, because I'm telling you what, man, there's plenty of websites out there where where socialists are talking about hanging rich people and, you know, putting them out on the streets and doing all kinds of crazy stuff that we've seen all throughout history where no one's going to do anything about it whatsoever. Right. And so, like, right now, we're only worried about one kind of hate which we should be worried about hate towards people. That's a good thing to be worried about. But when you're only worried about one kind of hate, it means that you're not really a principled person. It just means that you're a partisan hack. That's really all it, that's really all it means. Well, and on principle, Google's a private company and they can allow people to monetize sure. or not monetize. Yeah. Sure. So there, don't, there doesn't need to be any kind of law. It's just very hypocritical of Google to say, here's the thing. I mean, does Google uh, have any you know, searches for hate out there that, that are listed on in their search profile. 
I no, assume see. that there are websites that will come up. In fact, if I go to Google and search Zero Hedge, I bet the website comes up. Probably. <laughs> on Google. Right. So, so so they're still allowing that result to pop up? Yeah. So it's, it's just so hypocritical to fault um, to fault Zero Hedge and the Federalist as if they made the comments themselves. And in no way, it's like, it's like equating Tom Woods and the Mises Institute for being white supremacist. I've seen and that Ron a lot. Paul. I've seen that a lot yeah, recently. It's the same thing as like equating them to, to supporting the hatred because they may have uh, interviewed or talked to someone who ended up being a far right extremist. They don't condone that violence or racism in any way. Tom Woods is one of the best people who's ever, who's done so much for the Liberty movement and to chastise him as somebody who's associated with, with, you know, far right, uh, skinheads <laughs> like to associate him with somebody like that is just, what do you call it? It's, it's, it's intellectually dishonest. Well, not only that, but it's also, it, it, it's just so far out there. It's such a stretch of the imagination that it's like, you can't even take that person seriously anymore. Jim says it's, we're only looking for approved hate. Now, <laughs> hate the right way or else. Right. <laughs> and that is I mean that's what that's what you're seeing. I mean you're telling me that you just have to hate people for the right reasons. How many people are out there talking about how terrible and disgusting white people in general are right now? I've never done anything bad towards anyone that was a, another race because of their race or anything like that? How many people are out there speaking hate towards me for no reason whatsoever other than I want everyone to be free that that are speaking hate against me every single day? Hey, remember that one time when the guy told you that there's no way you grew up poor in a trailer? Because if you I had, remember it. If you had, then you would, you would have socialist views, basically? Yeah. There's but, no way I would have the views I have if I had actually grown up poor. He said I was making up the fact that I grew right. up poor. It's it's like um, he said. That's what all you guys say, right? That's, that's what he said to me, right? And, and the thing about it is, is like you have the chance to be successful. You know, you have the you have the liberty and the freedom. As messed up as America is, it's still the best place to make your dreams come true. You know, it, that and Disney World, and, yes, which is in America or Disneyland, so either one. Yeah, California yeah. or Florida, whichever one you choose. It's, uh, you get taxed less at Disney World than you do at Disneyland, yes. from what I hear. From what, yeah, the yep. word on the street. In and California, Mickey walks up to you, and punches you in the face, and takes your wallet. But uh, not that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't happen down in Orlando. And then burns your car down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> in Orlando, the Mickey doesn't do that. He just says, "Oh boy, say, <laughs> 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 you want to come inside my playhouse?" <laughs> Well, all right. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. <laughs> you know how much Mickey Mouse Clubhouse I've watched in the last couple of years? It's every, everything when Parker comes home is Mickey Mouse. Well, I bet we could do the rest of the podcast in a Mickey Mouse voice. Don't you think? Uh -huh. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Now, how do we save the bird from the tree? <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> You ready for the hot dog dance? <laughs> All right, man. It's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good, man. Not bad. Not bad for a redneck from uh from Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> a redneck from Illinois. Those are real, by the way. Yeah. 
<laughs> I have seen them before. They come in all shapes and sizes. All right, your last batch of hypocrisy real quick. I'm going to continue to point out how ridiculous this is. My computer's running super slow, by the way. I see it skipping around all over the place. Mm, sounds like know. a computer problem. That's, it does. <laughs> sounds like it should get a computer person on this. Sounds like you should know somebody who knows something about IT. ASAP. ASAP. Yeah. I don't know hardware, you know. I just, I just don't. Yeah. Or a lot of software, really. Not mm. Any of it. We don't really know much of it. So a little bit of... The network is running kind of slow. Yeah, a little bit of hypocrisy for you guys. I'm going to keep pointing this out because it's completely ridiculous. Listen to the story from the New York Times. I, I can't... I don't know why I would ever be disappointed or surprised. Events like the Trump rally are a perfect storm for viral spread, experts say. Now... Yep. How many articles have you seen written about how maybe these protests where there's like 100,000 people packed shoulder to shoulder, all screaming things, is a perfect storm for viral spread? I mean, they're already, they're gearing up to blame the second wave on Trump's campaign rallies. And what I've seen so far is it completely, completely ignoring whether or not the protests could be spreading COVID. Listen, I'm not saying you can't protest. I'm saying people should be able to go outside and do whatever they want and take their own risks. But what I am saying is that it's super freaking annoying, all the hypocrisy that's going on, and you just see the politics going on here. It's all about Trump's rally that's mm -hmm. coming up. you got to talk about how terrible this rally is and how dangerous it is. We're not sitting here being Trump supporters or anything, but you got to at least at least be able to point out how ridiculous stuff like this is. Social gatherings and campaign rallies like those planned by President Trump. <laughs> Social gatherings and campaign rallies like those planned by President Trump could spread infections this summer. People should wear masks and continue social distancing, public health researchers say. Oh, my gosh. The coronavirus won't be loosening up its grip on the United States anytime soon. Leading infectious disease experts said on Sunday, they are also uncertain how the viral spread will be affected by the patchwork of states reopening businesses and by large events like protests and President Trump's upcoming campaign rallies. But they're not going to put protests in the headline. No. It's and the reason why is because no one reads the actual article. They listed three things, reopening businesses, protests, and President Trump's upcoming campaign rallies. Yeah. Not to call everyone out on the podcast, but I bet at least half of you don't even read articles. It Luckily, really we read them for me. you. A lot of times I haven't read the entire article before we go yeah. through it. I just, I know that the headline made the proper point. You at least always have to read the last paragraph. I always go to the last paragraph. Yes. So you read a couple paragraphs, sure. go to yeah. the last one, because that's where the real info the real is. Deal to, the, the real details they, are in the last paragraph. And they you know want what? their journalism to be honest. I think towards the end of this, you actually do get some of the real details towards, bet, towards the end of do. it, about I, how many states are actually increasing in coronavirus cases. So I bet you do. Quote, the virus is not going to rest until it... Maybe we should give it uh, like a, an employment a check or something so it'll stay home. Something. Until it infects <laughs> about 60% to 70% of the population. Dr. Michael T. Osterholm said, uh, the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota said on Fox News Sunday. Which means regardless of what we do... It's going to have to infect, infect 60 to 70% of the population. Which is what he goes in the same. Right now, experts have estimated that without a vaccine, about 70% of the population will need to be infected and develop immunity in order to stop the virus's spread, a concept called herd immunity. 
The number of confirmed American cases now exceeds 2 million, less than 1% of the U.S. population, according to Johns Hopkins COVID-19 dashboard and the CDC. Joseph Fair, virologist and epidemiologist who recently recovered from a serious bout of COVID-19, echoed that view on NBC's Meet the Press. Once it gets so ingrained in the population, this is a quote, there's not a point where we can come back from that other than having the vaccine in place, said Dr. Fair, who is a medical contributor to NBC News. Which, by the way, vaccines give you the virus. It's That's what a vaccine does. Well, they're not all just straight up virus anymore. A lot of them are, um, what do you call it, uh, when it's synthetic. Uh, and not not actual live virus. Well, they'll always, give you the same type of yeah. like protein structures uh, of, of the virus of the virus makeup that will trigger the same type of antibodies yeah. to develop in your body. So, so what I what I was told, and of course they'll put like a human aborted fetus's foot in there, and the whole foot, uh, yeah, all the mercury from all the thermometers you've ever found, just straight up in there, <laughs> yeah, all, formaldehyde all, and, and chlorine and yeah, autism. Well, and salt and pepper for all ta- kinds of for stuff. taste. I'm not listen, guys. Vaccines overall are a positive thing. That's why I'm, in our society, I'm being very okay. facetious. Okay, here. all right. I'm uh, not. An, I'm not an anti-vaxer because, like, look, just real quick. Perhaps there are some things. Just says and microchips and microchips. <laughs> yes, and the mark of the beast is inside the vaccine. Okay. Yeah. Like, look, I'm there. There might be some things that aren't necessarily good for you inside of vaccines. However, I'm a history buff. If you look throughout history, the the upside to vaccines far outweigh the risks. It doesn't cause autism and all the all the garbage. So go down that rabbit hole if you want to. Maybe in, in rare cases. Yeah, okay. possibly but in rare cases. I don't think it's... Uh, go down that rabbit hole if, if you so choose. If you do the numbers vaccines are overall positive for yes. the human race yes i would i would i would say i'm not a medical professional but according to the tv movies i've seen they seem to be pretty effective <laughs> dr osterholm said that recent data show the rate of new cases has been level in eight states increasing in 22 states and decreasing in the rest which is 20 which states. is 20 states <laughs> so that's the important the, part i had to get to they're, they're <laughs> so, the, the, no, the, notice no. what they did here it's the new cases are level in eight states meaning no increase increasing in 22 states and decreasing in the rest <laughs> which is almost as many states as it's increasing in yeah just so everyone knows in fact if you take the level of states that the states that are level and the states that are decreasing it outweighs it's it's outweighing the the increase well i guess level is not going to outweigh anything but you guys get the idea well it's not increasing it's at, yeah. it's at stasis so the, in, the increase is not simply because of more widely available testing, the experts said, noting that an especially worrisome development is a rise in hospitalizations in several states. Now, we have been hearing down down the uh, down the pike here that there that there have been some increases in hospitalizations, just from an insider knowledge mm-hmm. that that is that that is in fact happening. I don't know that you're at liberty to say whether or not there's more cases going around, but oh, I did yeah, hear. You can. Yeah. I did hear from yeah. someone close to Charlie and on in, on an empirical point that there have been an increase in cases in in some of the hospitals. Yes. One of them. That's so, for my girlfriend, Steph. Yeah. You can say that. She's an ER nurse. You just can't talk about specific patient data. We don't have any idea because she doesn't tell us any specific patient data. Yeah. So yeah, we, we don't have that. I we, get specific you, patient data from, from my wife. 
That's what, that's where I get. But it. you don't. No, I don't actually yeah. get that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> the no, but what 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 she was saying was that this is the worst it's been so far right now, right. as far as they're concerned. Well, this they're is also the seeing a lot been. more other stuff too, though, like yeah. accidents and heart disease and all kinds of things because people are more as things open up. People are driving more. They're riding scooters more. Mm-hmm. And they're getting they're getting into more riding accidents scooters. and yeah and you know heart attacks are going up. People are coming back for cancer screenings and pregnancy tests. She <laughs> she gets so annoyed at the people that come in for pregnancy tests. I would too. Like who oh, comes yeah. into an emergency room for a Gardon pregnancy tests? You can get for a dollar. You can get it for free at the health clinic. But people come in. It's it's insane. We'll talk about the Imtala laws someday in the future. Yep. At this point, is a quote, hospitals are at risk of getting overwhelmed, and that is basically signaling to me that those states are already behind, said Nahid Bahadilia, medical director of the Special Pathogens Unit at Boston University. They have a SWAT team, I think, who also appeared <laughs> on the NBC News program on Sunday. The CDC, re- now, do we have any information on whether or not that hospitals are at risk of getting overwhelmed right now? Is is that what's actually happening? I have not seen any indication that that's happening. I mean, everyone realizes that the hospitals were never overwhelmed. Like those- Not only that, but you realize there were hospitals that were going out of business. Yeah. Not only were they not overwhelmed, they were so underwhelmed that they started furloughing people. They've started firing people. Yes. They started going out of business. Yes. Because they don't have enough business. During a healthcare pandemic, hospitals have been going out of business and firing people and freezing freezing hiring. I mean, we've we've seen this. We have a business in the healthcare industry. That's this right. is a real thing. They're really they're, happening. They're not overwhelmed right now. That that it never happened. And we I can tell re- you right now, I don't have as many people that need my contracted services as before. Yeah. So still doing okay though. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing good. It's just that it's the, the demand isn't as high as it was four months ago. (laughs) (laughs) The CDC recently projected that, but by July 4th, coronavirus deaths in the United States will likely jump from the current level of 115,000 to somewhere between 124 and 140,000. It looks like I'm going to be too low on my estimate, which was about 110, 120,000 people overall. But, you know, you really like, so the flu last year, at least year, I didn't say 2 million last year, the flu killed 68,000 people. Yeah. So we're basically double the numbers of flu with a brand new virus. We know nothing about and have no vaccine for or anything else. Still basically the flu. It's a bad flu year, <laughs> a really bad flu year that we don't have a vaccine for. Everyone's talking about HIPAA violations in the live group right now. It reminded me just off topic here, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, has tested positive for COVID COVID nineteen, and uh, I don't know if you saw that or not. No, but his agent told everyone that he had COVID nineteen, and oops, and Elliot just tweeted a couple days ago, HIPAA question mark. Oops, <laughs> that's all he tweeted. It's like I didn't, I didn't consent to my medical data being right. released to anyone. Like, why, why is everyone talking about me having COVID? Uh, doctor, that's, uh, that's really not good. Doctor Bedelia says. The rise in cases in some states, especially in the South and West, suggested that we opened too early in those states. We didn't have the ability to basically trace down those chains of transmission and stop them once people started mingling again at Trump rallies. He he didn't say that. I added that Some of the Southern states aren't even on the rise. Like Georgia and Florida are like the same. Yeah. It's 
We we live in a complete time. We already talked. I said this before, but when we had Chris on from We Are Libertarians, he said something I love so much. But he said that we lived in a post-truth society right now. Mm-hmm. There there isn't up is well, down, down is up, right is left, left is right. There is truth, but no one cares or accepts truth anymore. It's all emotions. It's all political partisanship. It's all based on what your politics are, what your emotions are in the situation. None of it has to actually do with any type of truth whatsoever. It's all based on feeling. You can see this with the with the riots and everything going on around the country. Like we we did an episode called This is not about saving black lives. If it were about saving black lives, then you wouldn't be burning down black-owned businesses. You would, not to steal a talking point from someone like Candace Owens, but maybe you would care that like 18 people got murdered in one day in Chicago in in different types of violence. Like maybe people would care about that potentially. Like this is not about that. There's there's no truth in this. It's about that for some people. But for a lot of people, it, it just simply isn't. This is not about... This is not actually about Trump rallies or anything like that. This isn't about people being worried about spreading the disease. This is about trying to make Trump sound as bad by talking about how the Trump rally is going to be a dangerous place for people to go. And Trump doesn't care about people's lives. And and if people go there, then they're just throwing grandma off a cliff and all that. Like it has it has nothing to do with any type of truth behind anything. You know, if it had to do with truth, we'd talk about things like what we talked about yesterday, where they're talking about 34,000 excess deaths in the U.S. just from cancer this year because people not getting accurate treatment, adequate treatment. Uh, 18,000 excess deaths in the U.K. from people not getting adequate treatment for their cancer. We'd be talking about heart disease. We'd be talking about whether or not more people are actually going to die from our economic and government response to the coronavirus and our emotional response to the coronavirus. We'd be talking about whether or not more people were going to die from those then are actually going to die from the coronavirus. But we live in a post-truth society. None of that actually matters. It's not about saving lives from coronavirus. It's not about saving mm-hmm. black people from dying needlessly in America unless it's at the hands of a specific type of person. That's the only one that you would care about. It's not, it's not about any of that. It's not about worrying about you know, comments and there being ads on certain websites that talk hateful towards certain groups of people. It's... It's not about that, or you would be policing that all the time in, a, in all kinds of different websites. You wouldn't just be picking some kind of far-right website out there. You know, None of this has to do with actual truth. It all has to do with politics and emotions. That, that's all it is. Well, and, you know, it's a, it's a underlying seek to divide so that the, the agenda can be implemented. So the right people can have the power. Right. Uh, Magoo made a comment about... Ezekiel Elliott, he said, not in the NFL. They release health reports before every game in an offseason. Is there a difference in this case? Uh, the NFL. So according to the uh, the NFL, the Players Association and the NFL, they sign contracts to release injury-relevant HIPAA information. So they the other information like, uh, you know, Tom Brady having the flu or Michael Jordan having the flu, those t- different types of illnesses that are not injury-related can only be released at the discretion of the patient so in this case, Ezekiel Elliott didn't probably consent to the fact that he had COVID-19 being released, and it's not something that occurred in practice or on the, in the field Or maybe play. it is in his NFL contract, and he just doesn't know it. I, I don't, don't know. think... I just thought that I was an interesting I don't think those tweet. are in their contract, from what I understand. Yeah. It's only injury, injury 
uh, relevant that they consent to in their player agreement. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that's why that's why it would be different in that case. All right, y'all. So, just if, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are interested in trading in the stock market, well, you go to mastermytrades.com. Huh? <laughs> All right. So listen, go to mastermytrades.com if you're interested in trading. Had a good day. Um, you know, took uh, a few trades today. I think it was 14 total trades today in a span of a couple hours. Made $262. And uh, just just getting started, you know, we're, we're, we're working on this account for the class. We got over 100 videos on the website. You can get in on that seven day free trial, which ends on Friday. You can't get in it anymore after that until we want to do it again, which is from what I'm hearing decades from now, a really long time. <laughs> and the price is going to be triple what it is currently. So you've only got a couple more days to get in on that seven day free trial. If you want to learn everything there is to know that we know about the stock market, you can go to mastermytrades.com, learn how to use a charting platform, how to order stocks, the strategies that we use, and we're going to keep growing into you know, more and more strategies as it goes on. I'm working on a new one right now. Charlie is uh, about to start doing his own uh, live trading or trading recaps every single day, doing a little bit more you know, risky strategy, I would say. Maybe like a Ross kind of strategy is what we would you, call it. For those so, of you out there that, you know... Or, I living, just, or living the dream. I just don't teach that. <laughs> I don't want to teach that immediately. That Like, I was trading like that before we started the class. I always, you know, I took someone's class who trades a little bit more on feeling and things like that. And, and as a new trader, I didn't feel like it was a, a great thing to do because it was a little bit difficult to manage your risk and to keep track of your trades and and to not succumb to your emotions and to not have a specific reason for getting in and out on, on stocks and specific profit targets and stop losses, all that. So I wanted to teach a very specific set of strategies that have here's entries, here's stop losses, here's profit targets, here's your, your risk to return ratio, all those things. And then we're going to keep bumping it up as time goes on. I've just never felt like it was a good idea for brand new traders to come in True. and take 5,000 shares on something, you know, like if, oh, you, if you don't really know why you're doing it yet. If you can't trade with one share, then you can't trade with 5,000 shares. That's true. So, so. If, if you're interested in doing this, there is a way to not be reliant on the government giving you a bonus to go back to your job for you to actually have enough money to, to, to get through your life and actually to have way more money than you have to have to get through your life. And you can be charitable. You can help your family. You can do all kinds of stuff. And that's on you to go ahead and take on that responsibility. This is important. This is the rest of your life. This is not just some, some whim that you're going to go on. No, this is, the, this is the rest of your life. And you're going to have to decide how it's going to go. And you're going to be in complete control of that. And there's never been a better time to sign up because right now the class is approaching the volume-weighted average price <laughs> for the class. And if you want to know what that means, then you need to take the class. If you're like, what is volume? At? What is that VWAP or VWAP? What does that mean? Well, take the class and you'll yeah. understand. Plus, it's free for seven days. Who doesn't like that? I hear that the like, class is about to hit a limit up halt. So you want to jump in before that yes. because it's just going to skyrocket afterwards. Afterwards, it's so. it's going up. Nowhere to go but up. Anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash Liberty also and get in on the private Facebook group that we have now interacting with everyone live there's 151 comments on on the episode so far. We've just been chatting back and forth with people as the episode goes on. So if you want to get if you want to get into that conversation and hang out with with all of us in here, it's it's really fun. 
everyone has a everyone has a good time. I feel like everyone's developing friendship, even if it's just through watching the podcast together every single day. So if you don't have any friends and you want to make a couple ones, then you can go on to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, get into the live group, and there's all kinds of other especially subscription if, levels as well. Especially if you want to be a part of that, uh, that get-together we're about to do. It's going to be a pool party at Nate's pool where we're all going to watch Braveheart together. So yeah. you want to make sure you get on that. Don't, so do and, it before if, we have the party. If any of you guys build pools, maybe we'll exchange <laughs> uh, a free trading class for a pool <laughs> on a side note. Right. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Also, please share the show with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with a cousin, an aunt, whoever. Share the show. That's what I'm trying to say. And there's no reason not to. If you're subscribed to the podcast, then you should share the show with a friend. And the numbers keep growing, and it's it's all because of y'all. And we, we can't thank you enough for that. So please continue to do that. We've got some exciting things coming up for you. Um, so share the show with a friend and leave us that rating and review there's a few new ones coming in. And so continue to do that. If you do all of it, and I mean all of it, then we might do our libertarian Mickey Mouse voices again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Poor kids are just as smart and just as talented as white kids, huh?